Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Premier League Review. Lalana rescues Liverpool. His first goal for 18 months salvaged a point for the Reds as they got away with one somewhat against rivals Manchester United. A 1-1 draw at Old Trafford means Liverpool's 17-game winning Premier League run has come to an end, falling just short of the record set by Manchester City. A Manchester City side who are winners over Crystal Palace on Saturday evening, meaning the lead at the top of the Premier League table is cut to six points. Manchester United, meanwhile, moved two points clear of the relegation zone, which certainly relieves a bit of pressure on the manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And Marco Silva similarly would have felt the relief too with his Everton side picking up a vital three points against West Ham to also move clear of the drop. Wins for Villa, Brighton and Leicester also over the weekend. And surprise, surprise, VAR caused a stir once again. This is Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. So subscribe now and never miss a show seven days a week. I'm Niall McCorn. Alongside me on today's Premier League review, we have the Athletics Manchester City correspondent Sam Lee. Hello, Sam. Hello. How are you? Uh, I was all right until he mentioned it was 18 months since Adam Lallana last scored a goal. <laughs> it had to be today, didn't it? <laughs> Trust me, as a Portsmouth fan, I would have been very happy if that run had continued. Uh, we've also got Jack Gorn from the Daily Mail. Hello, Jack. Hello, you all right? Uh, I'm very well, mate. Yeah, looking forward to looking forward to the show. And we've also got Steve Shanyaski, who completes the set. Hello, Steve. Hello. Good to be back. It is good to be back. Do you know what? Tell everyone about your Instagram, because... I love following you on Insta because <laughs> you what? just make me hungry all the time. You're always cooking something. Well, do you know Sourdough what? Do you know what it is? I started to hate social media so much, and my Facebook. Now, as a comedian, you've got like hundred, or oh, I'd say a few thousand people. I don't know who they are, whatsoever. And my timeline is just rinsed with politics, opinion, nonsense. And I just got sick of it. So basically, I just bake bread and put pictures of that on every single day, <laughs> and that's it. We now, make- people start texting me, give me some bread. They'd be, people, some people have got obsessed with me giving them free bread. You're like the Jesus of So Instagram. I give them a bit, you know, I'm a bit like a, I'm <laughs> a, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit like a pusher. You give them a little bit, 
They get into it, get addicted, but then you can start upping the price. It's you know. getting ridiculous, so you're making your own paprika, Steve. Like this, oh, this, yeah. is, this is another oh, level. Right, okay. Now, this is nothing to do with football, clearly. But <laughs> <laughs> I come back from Greece and I realised that our paprika is absolutely awful and dry. So then when I was in, when I was lay sunbathing in Greece, I thought, how do you make paprika? Can you make it yourself? I kind of had a feeling, well, I'll tell you, it takes about 20 hours with the oven on 60. 60 degrees. That's what I worked out with red pepper. All stringed out. Slow and then, burn. Yeah, really slow. I thought I might have had it done in a couple of hours before my wife came home from work. And yet she's like, why is this? Why is the pepper in the oven? What's, what are you doing? So, and then you blend it. And then you've got enough for about two meals. It's kind of not worth, kind of not worth the effort, really. If you've just tuned in to Premier League Daily, we are a football podcast, by the way. Uh, yeah. So even though you've now learned how to make paprika, let's talk about the actual football. And let's start at Old Trafford, Steve, where Manchester United played against Liverpool. Liverpool off the back of a 17-game winning streak, which was put to an end by Manchester United, who actually, considering how they've played recently, played pretty well. I did not. I, coming into this game, I didn't think we had a cat in hell's chance of beating Liverpool. And wow, what I've just watched, I couldn't believe. You know, um, we were fierce, we were, uh, you know, pushing hard. Rashford seems to, he, I just think he must have needed that break, basically. Two weeks off. It feels like he's been playing every single game possible, international, every game for United for years. And he just feels like, he just felt like he had... Yeah. More playing him today. He was getting in the mm. box, you know. Try, still, it seems to be a thing with, a lot with United that they were trying to shoot outside the box quite a lot, you know, instead of like creating a lot more like City seemed to do, getting, you know, and create the play and get in there and just a small tapping at the end. Wasn't much of that going on. A lot of shots outside the box, um, but we were defended hard. Um, wing backs played well. Pereira opened first five minutes absolutely shocking. I tweeted out, <laughs> mate, please, you know, string a pass together. Everyone's saying man of the match. <laughs> Pereira, man of the match. He's fantastic. I think, oh my God, I do I watch a different game? But then um, he started to really put it together and, and played really well. He came off in the end. Um, well, we scored and then just absolute heartbreak. Ashley Young is like the girl that you used to fancy at secondary school. And every time you see her, she'll break your heart somehow. And that's Ashley Young. We nearly, nearly did City a favour and we nearly did ourselves a massive favour and Solskjaer and got them three points. But, mate, he just <laughs> threw it away at the end. At Lalana could have pushed that ball in with his tongue. It was going that slow <laughs> at the end. Just nudged it in. Uh, it went past Rocco. Um, Ashley Young was just behind Lalana. No one challenged. They must have seen that ball coming in for about three minutes. That's how slow it was. <laughs> and, uh, oh, God, like I say, Ashley Young, the heartbreaker. Well, Man, was, gutted, gutted. It was, it was an ama- amazing result with the midfield they had, though. Oh, yeah. yeah well, yeah, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer yes. sprung a bit of a, a, bit of a surprise in three terms. Three blokes running around doing three a job. Three fellas next to each other, yeah, amazing. <laughs> McTominay, Fred and Pereira together. It's yeah. Just, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And they did a really good job. Well, like, it didn't look like Liverpool, did it? Well, there they, was... they couldn't they couldn't play out from the back or anything. Oh, well, yeah, their up. first half Liverpool was was poor. Their their ball control, Jack, shocking. was shocking. They, they couldn't yeah. they couldn't keep the ball at the feet. They looked out of sorts, which is really unusual considering some of the massive games Liverpool have had in that seventeen game streak. What is it about when they go to Old Trafford? They they don't freeze and they don't. I don't want to say they they sort of you know that derby are fearful, but what what's going on? But it's really strange because all the 
chat after the game was that, oh, they got a little bit of a mental block going to Old Trafford. But why the hell have they got a mental block going to United? It's, it's, it's really the, it's the oh, derby, Klopp's, isn't it? Klopp's never won there, has it? I know, it's the city. Th- yeah, it's the, you know, they get the... the it's, it's some, it is some mental block, but it's you know that how big a derby is. And Liverpool now being in such a position that they could well win the league... They've got so much pressure having not won it for 30 years. There's such hatred, realistically, between uh, Liverpool and Manchester United. And them coming there, the pressure they get on their backs from uh, the fans, the residents of Liverpool, you know, I think it just all builds up to that. And then on top of that, they've got um, 18 games win, or whatever it is. They were trying to beat some sort of record, weren't they? Just Mm. adding more pressure on themselves. And they couldn't sit. And then they turned up. And United, I think, just surprised them how much they were firing, how much they were up for it. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think it helps that the supporters went with balloons of um, of the number six to taunt, the Champions taunt League. the home fans. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of inviting a little bit of pressure on yourselves, aren't you? Yeah. And gloating about that. Uh, I, I, do you know what's interesting? Marcus Rashford scored the goal for United. It's interesting that you said, you know, he you thought he was excellent. I thought until he scored, I thought he was the worst United player on the pitch, Marcus Rashford. Until he scored and then all of a sudden... He sort of burst into life, and like you say, maybe that was the tonic he needed to, to score for United in a big game like that. To kind of get him back, get those wheels back in motion, get him going again. He had it, that burst, didn't he? It, there was, there was the, there was a couple early on where it looked like he was afraid to go to Van Dijk because he just thought, "What's the point?" Or even get in the box. Sam, yeah, to be fair, there yeah. was a couple of times where you just think a good striker, and I'm not saying Rashford's not good, but would get in the box. And yeah, because he, he's edge. done that a lot in West Ham, Newcastle. He's, he's like, what, he's, he's not, not even getting in the, the box. Runs. It's his issue. But then, Definitely. but then that run for the goal, the movement for the goal oh, was yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like his top class, like strikers play. I mean, it's it's always one they, it's always that one they that the strikers love to do, and it's the ones when it when it's like Shearer and Ian Wright on match of the day. They always go on about it for ages. It's like <laughs> yeah. a proper strikers, right? Yeah, but that it was so good because it prob- it properly it properly did match it. It was yeah, it was great. But it was the one time that yeah, you're right. Like early on, United like Pereira did start off bad. Like his decision making on the ball was awful. Like just play a pass, put it out wide, get the ball in the box, or put, do something. But he was just he had like a thirty-five shots. yard shot, and it was stupid. Yeah, it was but garbage. then that time, yeah, actually got the ball into a crossing position, put a decent ball in. And then, like, world, world-class world movement, I would say, from Rashford. And then after that, he obviously, maybe just confidence. I think kind of, because he played out, out on the left again, didn't he? Yes. That, that, it I, strike me as more that's where he was. It does suit him. Yeah, it I does, think, doesn't it? I don't think he's a central striker. Well, he scored from that left sort of sided position for England, didn't he, against Bulgaria? Mm. I know the keeper probably should have done better, but he seems to favour playing that side so he can cut onto his right and take shots. Exactly. He can't hit, he can't hit, can't even pass with his, he cannot pass with his left. His left is a redundant foot, basically. <laughs> honestly, honestly, it really is. Standing, standing. And he he uses it for that occasionally, but he, he sort of he sort of if you watch, if you just see him run, he has a powerful right and then just a tiny left when he's running. Is it like <laughs> Rafa Nadal's uh, got one arm bigger than the other for tennis purposes, obviously. Uh, before anyone gets any ideas. Yeah. Um, but in 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 terms of Liverpool, after the game, Jurgen Klopp said, or sorry, Jordan Henderson said after the game, if you can't win, don't lose. And that's what Liverpool did. They found a way back into the game. There was a lot of Liverpool fans uh, I saw on Twitter as well. When Lallana came off the bench, Jack were going, "Oh no, yeah, see, you know, that's the game gone." Like because they just had really? no, they had no yeah, faith. I saw a bit of that they had no faith in Lallana to to do a job. I'd have, I'd have more faith in Lallana to do a job than Jordan Henderson playing right wing, which is what they were subjected to for seventy minutes. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about Liverpool is that the, there's all when you get into like kind of the last ten minutes, there's always one chance with them, isn't there? Yeah. Something always drops. 
and they win so many games late on, and obviously kind of escape with a point at United because of that. But you look, United were asking for it as well. Though. Yeah, well they were. Yeah. But you look going into stoppage time. You're going, Liverpool are going to nick this. Yeah, yeah. They definitely, once got they got one As soon as they got that goal, yeah, the yeah, yeah. fear in the yeah. stadium, you could feel it. I mean, mm. I was watching on television, but they... they transmitted were, to the players as well, you could tell. Absolutely. Frightened to death. The whole thing just went... Ugh! But that goal came, ironically, when um, Solskjaer's tactics shifted into playing two central defensive mid, basically locking the back up, yeah. you know, with five or seven. Six at the end, didn't they? After? Yeah. Six at the back at the end, wasn't it? Yeah. And even there, and that, and that became the the, the error. They're not, really. they're not good enough. They're not strong enough to be able to hold leads like that against top teams. We can't score more than one ever, as well. This is the other. Well, it was, you know, it was ever. a bit. Like, it was a bit like an underdog. Obviously, they were the underdogs, but it was a bit like you know when a lower league team plays well against a Premier League team in the FA Cup, but doesn't quite get there. And it's like you know, a couple of times Fred had those shots, and it was like. You've, we said earlier on about United's performance, you know, just three blokes in midfield, you know, mm. three not ordinary footballers, but you know, not especially no technically there. gifted. No. Yeah, and it's like they can do that job, but then you just when you want that little bit of extra quality for a through ball or a shot like we yeah. saw with Fred, where are you looking? It's not admin, yeah, is it? And like, that's the difference. Uh, the thing is, you could say if Pogba was playing, he would have got, he might have scored one of those shots, but he probably wouldn't have had the defensive discipline that, that those guys had. And that's the problem with United; they haven't quite got that versatility. And ultimately, you're right; they came up short and. Look, everyone knows things have changed over the years at Old Trafford, but you know, a draw with Liverpool a few years ago, five minutes added on, everyone at United, you know, in in Old Trafford, you'd be cheering the five minutes added time. Go, yeah, come on! And they put the yeah. five minutes on, and it was like, oh god, like, like that backwards like, of what it used to be. Can't wait yeah. to yeah. get this over with. These five minutes, we lack and that, that VAR check for the Fred <laughs> shoulder. I was like, not. I was like, do not. It took so long. Do not. Yeah, it exactly. So you you saw, we saw it from the first one. and went, oh, well, it's his shoulder. See you later. We, we, we have to mention VAR because the game was filled with VAR controversy. Oh, yeah. Um, of course, the the Manchester United goal. Liverpool weren't very happy about it. Jurgen Klopp wasn't very happy about it. There was a foul in Would the build up. At least that's how it looked. Mm. Uh, uh, Victor Lindelof on Divock Origi. Wasn't given by Martin Atkinson on the pitch. Wasn't given by VAR uh, in the truck, two hundred and something miles away in in West London. It was uh, given as a goal. Gary Neville says on commentary, "That's a foul." The referee in the middle didn't think it was a foul. The VAR official didn't think it was a foul. What, what do you guys think? Well, that's a, that's a problem with VAR, though, isn't it? Because it's still subjective. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally with you. You know, you're yes. kind of you're you're relying on referees. Stockley Park that are um, less experienced than the referees that are taking well, charge Dave, of the game. David Coote was the VAR official, yeah. which he was nowhere near as experienced as Martin Atkinson. No, so basically you're moving or you're shifting the power to guys who have not officiated that many Premier League games, whereas Martin Atkinson's been obviously been doing it for years yeah. to varying degrees of success. It, with, with VAR, it must it, it, you have to know the the wording of the law, don't you, basically, for to, to work out how, yes, it was a foul, how that affected um, the play and then go on and score a goal. It's, it was, I, I honestly haven't got a clue how that ended up, uh, was it not, how it ended up being the decision that it was because it clearly was a foul. So, so are we are we all in agreement I, here no, that that was a no. foul? I don't think it was that. I don't think it was bad a, foul. a foul. Okay. I so it's just it's just, just innocuous, isn't it? Those kind of things happen all the time, yeah. and then the ref might just go oh, carry on, and no one ever thinks about it. But uh, is because it... now there's now VAR, there's an expectation. So it's accentuating these. But, yeah, things. but but also the other the other aspect is, I'm sure we'll come onto it later on. But you know the other VAR decisions over the weekend and earlier in the season, yeah, like for penalties, 
that would look really obvious and they don't give it. So they weren't going to overturn that. And I was thinking, if they overturn that and say that was a foul compared to some of the decisions they haven't overturned, it would have been a scandal. Marnie, Marnie scored so a goal. At least, there's, <laughs> at least there's some consistency with it. I think it's I think it's pointless fundamentally. I, what I what is the point? Yeah, I hate it. What's the point? Like, and with this, what's the point? You know, there's some really obvious ones. Yeah. But if they're not given the obvious ones, they can't give that. And the reluctance mm. to go to the the TV monitor on the side of the pitch makes. Yeah, me Gary Neville saying, wasn't he? He was like, yeah. there even been some chat and they're just not going to do is it. Is there even one they, there? I don't Jack think there is. So they, I went to one of these VAR briefings in the summer. Where Neil Swarbrick was telling everyone how it was going to work. <laughs> Made it out alive then. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I fell asleep. But, um, <laughs> but I was, I went in like really skeptical and thinking this is, ta- I'm, I'm just not on board with this whatsoever. And after listening to him talk for kind of an hour about it, I left thinking, oh, it might actually might be all right. And I've actually gone back to being skeptical and don't want it at all. But what he was saying was that they don't want a situation whereby, which is what we've seen in the FA Cup in the last couple of years, where you'd have a, a ref go over to the side to the side of the pitch yeah, and yeah. study the monitor because they wanted the game to flow still, which yeah. sounds fine in theory, but in practice, it's as I was saying before, it's just taking the power away from the guy who's supposed to be running the match. And then you get this one minute of added time at the end of the first half when combined the two VAR checks took two minutes and 20 seconds. So what's going yeah. on there? There's, there's loads of stuff with VAR where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like, like Jack was saying about not using the screen because they want the game to flow. Fine, that's good. But then it's like, well, you are missing the fact that if you are having VAR, then you want the ref to make that decision. You got, and you, then, but the other one is yeah. when the, the linesmen now don't put the flag up for offsides because they're waiting but, you know, to see. But then the problem is once once you score the goal, then they put the flag up and it goes back and then, and then sometimes they do put the flag up, like the Albamian goal at Arsenal. When they yes. put the flag up, and everyone was like, we got VAR now, why don't you just keep it down? Yeah. But then there's but other times think- where they do keep it down and you think, I wish they hadn't because yeah. you should just make that decision. You're still offside, you should be able to know. But like you say... It just doesn't work either way. Talking about people like Martin Atkinson, who's been doing it for years, it's new for him. You know, yeah. He could have been a referee for 100 years and it's still going to be something new that everyone's going to have to get used to. Uh, even the best in the business, the best referees are still going to have to get used to it. What it's we, something new for them. What we did get, though, was that glorious sense of bias towards United, like the Fergie time sort of sensation where <laughs> Liverpool had a negative VAR decision and the whole of Old Trafford just cheered. Like and it, was the most yeah. gl- it was so childish, but it was the most glorious yeah. sound. Well, you're talking about uh, <laughs> Mane's, Mane's goal that was yeah. ruled out for handball, which I think was the correct decision. It was. Well, they're just, yeah, it that's was. just the rule now, isn't it? If, if that, you use your hand the, in the build-up to a goal, then it's not. It's stupid, but if that is the rule, then that's the rule. The thing is, that of all things in VAR and stuff, we all we know that that one is, you know, you will definitely get that as a handball all uh, day long. Well, you mentioned uh, a sense of bias towards Manchester United. What many people will argue, and particularly Manchester City fans, would say that to win 17 games in a row you have to be a very very good football team and I don't want to boil the piss so to speak of (laughs) of Liverpool supporters who might be listening to this but they have had their fair slice of luck along the way in that 17 game unbeaten run I'm thinking as recently as uh, something like Dean Henderson letting the ball through his legs which is a mistake you might call that lucky you might some people might not Um, but certainly in terms of the rub of the green for want of a better expression it has seemed to have gone Liverpool's way in the last however long this run's been going on for. But it did seem that, that maybe their luck was just starting to run dry at Old Trafford. Yeah, it did. And they were so shaky, that first half. And then with the VAR decision, and Klopp went running off half-time to get back into the changing room and start making his you know, his, his spiel. 
about what to do. But they came out and they, we, they still looked shaky. But just that last 10, 15 minutes... They did come back in. Oh, yeah. my yeah. days. Yeah. And yeah. once they scored, United were frightened. Frightened mm. to death. Mm. Because anything that had worked up until that point had completely changed because we changed changed um, formation and subst- substituted a few players. And anything that had worked prior to that was completely different. And yeah. we just were so shaky. And the irony was we were parking the bus at that point. Mm. And that was the worst thing we could have done with them. Well, it's funny, actually, because that's the best they've played in ages. Mm. And it's because they didn't have the football. They're yeah. like miles better without the ball. They don't, they don't like This is why they might have a problem at Norwich next week. Because they're going to be expected to take the game to Norwich, and they just they just can't do it. Much like they did at Newcastle, and they ended up losing one. Yeah, they just run out of ideas. And as Steve was saying before, they kind of shooting from outside the box, or whatever. They get into the final third and they panic because they've not got any guile and they've not got anyone who can put his foot on the ball and find someone, and mm. they've not got enough runners. No, going forward. So actually, kind of the Liverpool game was perfect for them in a way where they could just hit them on the counter as they did for the yeah. for the opening goal. Jurgen Klopp said something interesting after the game, Jack, that you that you picked up on um, following the result. He said, uh, "Well, I can't remember quite what he said now, but he said something about how United uh, were very defensive. Uh, you know, sort of if they if that's how they want to play, then fair enough, or something along those lines." Yeah, I think it was. Um, it's not a criticism; it's a fact. Yeah. It's just a fact. Which yeah, is, you can't yeah, argue. It's it. a but grumbling. It you know he's having a go. Losers, bitchy comment, really. Wasn't of course, it? he's having he's, a go. <laughs> but he's, but he's Liverpool, right, Liverpool were played off the park in the first yeah. twenty minutes by Manchester United. Yeah, well, it took <clears> Liverpool <throat> quite a lot of time, quite a long time to get going, didn't it? But he, it. He, I mean, he is right. I mean, United are not in a situation where where they can take matches to those sort of teams any, at the moment. I mean, it's going right. to take like two, three, four transfer windows to get mm. them. I, the quality issue is massive with United and I would say and I know we always use this as some sort of um, simile but with like when you play FIFA and you can get your players in the position but you just can't seem to shoot it off in the right direction or get quite the right pass you know what you know what you want the little player to do and you've got the controls in your hand and it just isn't happening and that is exactly what United are like they just don't have that extra bit of quality you need and at the moment, in reality, you know, we'd be lucky to get into Europe. Okay. It's getting worrying now, I think. If it was FIFA, would you have sacked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer by now, Steve? <laughs> um, would I have traded him? <laughs> no, would you <laughs> would have Would I hope to have packed, you can packed still, someone else? Yeah, manager mode, sacking him on FIFA I, or whatever. I can't cope with his um, party line com- uh, uh, comments. I just can't cope with it anymore. Oh. I, I absolutely, I can see through it, like any politician you get on television or anything, and that is exactly what he's doing. He's keeping his bosses happy. I joked I with s- you before the show and it. called him Mr. Soundbite. Mate, he is. That is his. That is all he ever does. And there was that tweet in the week someone put out where they compared um, a, a minute of interview for Cardiff against a minute of interview with United, and it was verbatim, pretty much verbatim, what he was saying when he came to Cardiff or was at Cardiff. Okay, He's just that. got this script, this stuff he comes out with all the time. He's bought himself another two months at least with this draw. Well, that was going to be one of my other questions. Definitely. Steve reckons two months. How much time do you think Solskjaer's bought himself, Sam? Because well, it changes easily, doesn't it? If they lose at Norwich next week, it'll be the same conversation. Oh, oh 100%. And like, yeah. But like Jack makes a good point. It was a different type of game. And also, like I mentioned earlier, like it's, like the, it's an underdog performance. And yeah. it goes hand in hand with the fact that they didn't have the ball and they were more comfortable when they could just play to their strengths, which is running around and being <laughs> being committed. But like I say, there, there was a, there was a lack of technical quality apart from probably the the goal. 
So, so next week, obviously, Norwich. I, I, th- is... I could think they really struggle at Norwich. Yeah. I mean, Norwich haven't, won, Norwich haven't won since they beat City, have they? But I, you can see them beating United. What's interesting you say about what Jack said about them not having the ball? I mean, could the same be? I didn't watch Manchester United against Leicester, and I can't really remember, but they won that game one nil mm. against Leicester. Um, and you'd, you'd imagine Leicester probably would have had the majority of the ball in that game with the way they've been playing this season. So. Chelsea had a, Chelsea had a lot of the ball. Chelsea probably should have won that first mm. game of the season. Uh, they ended up losing four 0 So with the run of fixtures United have got coming up, Norwich and there's some favourable teams in there. Could it be more treacherous of a run of games than many Manchester United yeah, fans I, are expecting? I think they probably fear playing those teams more than they would your Liverpool's and Leicester's. Um, it, I mean, the interesting thing over the last week or so is United have put United have put it about that they're happy with Solskjaer. And this is a three-year vision. But as Sam was saying before, if they lose a couple on the bounce, you're then back to where we were two weeks ago. Well, they're two points clear of the relegation zone, which is The fans are fighting. They're fighting amongst each other as well. You know, Ollie in, Ollie out. That was the same under Mourinho as well, wasn't it? Mm. 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 It got quite kind of... It got nasty between some of them. Yeah, it's, 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 it still is. It's, <laughs> it's a war it zone. Still, United like, Twitter. On Twitter anyway. Yeah, you still got people coming back going, oh, Mourinho was great, wasn't he, in hindsight? Oh, because well, the two things... Happens. Such the, a big club. The results well, but... and how we play. Like, finally today we've played with passion. We've not seen that much passion really for a while. And that's great. We still just... We got by, but we can't get a second goal. Because yeah, there's a lack of quality. And yeah, also absolutely. you can just... It's, they're just they were up for a big game. Yeah, but like when the again talk talk about like roles reverse, but all the years Liverpool weren't really title contenders, but they'd always come to Old Trafford and get a result. And you think if Liverpool yeah, played anyone else happening. next year, next week they'll lose. But yeah, it's like a cup final performance, yeah. and that was a, that was a thing. And this is it. If we go back to the pressure on Solskjaer, if they'd look fair enough, they might beat Norwich next week. But it, I'd be surprised if they got if they won't. They might draw one by a significant margin at least. I, I mean, I'd be surprised but, if they won two three nil. I would be yeah surprised. yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I. I yeah, and if it, if it goes back to that, then you're just looking at that's that's the normal United. You know, United yeah. have raised their game now. It's a one-off. Well, it it could well be a one-off. Mm. But I mean, you know, listen to other phone-ins and podcasts or whatever. You know, people are giving Solskjaer stick. I would at least say that's not just not tonight. Basically, you know, it was a good it was a good result. Yes, yeah, yeah. For the you know, in terms, you still got to play the game, um, but it's not it's not a sign that United have turned any kind of corner. You know, they've not solved any of the problems. The problems are still going to be there. Um, mm. And we'll be back to talking that next week because I'm sure they'll struggle at Norwich. Even if they win, I'm sure they'll struggle. Yeah, no, I I, I'll just say one more thing on this thing. Um, he just needs to drop that 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 party line spiel that he's coming out with. He just needs to drop that and get get the fans just saying, "Look, we do, we can't get another manager in. We can't do that right now. We really can't get behind him." But the trouble is, he's just not he's not making friends with anyone because he's just everybody can see through what he's doing. He's just keeping Woodward. And the, the double glazers um, happy. <laughs> Basically, that's what he's doing. Well, he, was, he was talking Sorry. about, like, kind of, he was always harking back to how United were when he was a player and how they needed that kind of culture within the club. And he's been obviously saying that for months, the kind of party line type yeah. stuff. And then turn around next week and said it's not the 90s anymore. We kind of, we're a different club now. Make your mind up, son. Yeah. That's, what you, that's what everyone wants. <laughs> Make your mind up. Final score at Old Trafford in the Premier League on Sunday. Manchester United 1, Liverpool 1. Marcus Rashford opening the scoring before Adam Lallana popped up with a late goal to salvage a point for Liverpool, who lead the Premier League table by six points on 25. Manchester United, meanwhile, uh, in 13th with that draw 
on 10 points. Now, to the other side of Manchester, or should we say to Selhurst Park in London, Manchester City travelled to Roy Hodgson's side. Roy Hodgson, the stat was being bandied around before the game, the only manager uh, to have beaten uh, Pep Guardiola. Um, I can't remember whether it's the only English manager to have beaten Pep Guardiola. I think that was the stat yeah. that was being uh, lauded around. Um, they ended up winning the game 2-0. Two goals in two minutes. Uh, Sam and Jack, you're both there. Yeah. So let's uh, see if you've got the same take on the game. Manchester City did what they needed to do. By the way, that City away kit is awful. Rhubarb and custard. No, they're the tequila sunrises. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> mate, you're making a positive thing <laughs> off that. It's just child's candy, isn't it, basically? <laughs> um, Sam, <laughs> how was the game? How did City play? By all accounts, they got the job done within a space of two minutes. Yeah, they they started off, they were much better, much more like them all, their old selves. Um, and, you know, given the problems they have had, you know, in, you know, in recent weeks, I think Guardiola's kind of been worried so much about the defence and protecting the defence. He's you know, he's got Gundogan to stay further back and then they've not attacked in the same way and then they're not creating the chances and then there's been more pressure on the defence and, you know, the defence when he's got Otamendi and every City fan knows what Otamendi's going to do, you know. Yeah. The way he was diving in against Wolves, you know, just that. At any time he's under that pressure, we will do exactly that. Mm. Um, and it just kind of created problems, you know, the way Guardiola approached it. But it, it when we saw the team yesterday and it was Rodri and Fernandinho at centre-back, it was like, this could be a disaster. Um if they played in the same way that you know they played recently, but the the good thing for City was yesterday they went back to doing what they what they do best, and it was there was a bit of a different shape. It was a kind of they kept like three at the back, and it was all midfielders, and then there was like four kind of a box diamond thing in the middle, and another three up front. But fundamentally, what they were doing were they got all the players in their normal areas on the right hand side, linking up, making it difficult, putting crosses in, not good crosses, not the aimless ones. Um, same on the left but it was more down the right but basically if you got De Bruyne back play to his strengths and they were getting De Bruyne in those areas to put the ball in and then in the end it wasn't him but it was Bernardo Silva he got in the space put the ball in because he, he can, he's really good at crossing with his left in his first season when he wasn't playing particularly well um, he was always the best thing he did was the crosses from the left hand side on his left foot mm. um, so he got back to that and Jesus headed it in and then they scored a great goal on the counter attack and that was it but basically yeah it could have gone horribly wrong yeah. Like going into it, the vibe was Palace are the kind of team that's going to exploit City's weaknesses. Yeah, well, I was going to ask about Crystal Palace, but first, uh, Gabriel Jesus, his 50th goal for Manchester City. That might yeah. have slipped under the radar from some supporters. Mm. 50 goals is not to be sniffed at at all. Yeah, he's probably, I was thinking about this earlier, he's probably the best backup striker in the world, I'd say. Okay. Certainly up there. And he's really unfortunate that he's got Aguero in front of him, really. Because he's, I mean, he's only like, how he's, old he's, good enough. He's, he's good enough yeah, to start in, in yeah. pretty much every other Premier League team. Yeah, so he's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's scoring since the start of last season. I've written about him today, so I'm not a geek. I just know this. <laughs> I've been doing it today. He's, since the start of last season, he's scoring a goal every 108 minutes. So it's just over one and two. Yeah. Uh, just over every game. Yeah. 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 There's, and there's only seven, there's like seven players ahead of him in the whole of Europe in the top five leagues, and one of them's Aguero. So that not, just goes to show. Not a bad crop to pick from, from for, for Pep, is it? There's, uh, there's something sexy about when you head a ball and it just dinks in off that post, though. I did watch that. It's the I way thought, he dives oh, after it. It was the well. dive as well. Because like yeah. he did it against Everton the other week from, from one of those De Bruyne crosses. He just like full-on chucks himself at it. Um, it goes to show how hungry he is and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, basically, it could have gone really wrong for City, but... They just they just did what they they kept the pressure up they kept attacking they kept trying to force things which is what they haven't done in the games when they've lost yeah uh, and it just you know 
the the back three were well the back four was protected. I always thought Jesus was one of those players that needed a few chances to bag a goal rather than him being clinical. He kind of goes through spells, doesn't yeah. he? Where he bangs in a lot, like at the moment. And what's the other stat that was going around? He scored in his last seven appearances. He scored in every game. Could well it, have done. But again, you've got Aguero there, so he, yeah, he doesn't mm, make every game. Though, so they might stick him on. A... Yeah, but so like, but at the moment he's having a good spell. But then, like I remember, was it last season against Shakhtar? Did he score a hat trick? But he he's was like, hat-trick, but, but he's missed like, like six yeah. clear cut yeah. chances. And did he miss a pen as well? Yeah. And it was just like everyone was right, like ready to say like, oh, he's had a bad game there. And he, he scored and one he scored and missed five, quickly, and then he scored two, like right at the end. And it was like, oh, okay, he's got that. And one was, one was a lob from about 100 yards out. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, how can you say this guy's had a bad game when he scored that trick? But he did. And <laughs> that kind of sums it up. Some, yeah, sometimes yeah. he's got that about him. But but I mean, last season, he, he was going through a bit of a weird time at that point, weren't he? Which he's kind of admitted to. And he was he dropped, he lacked in confidence a bit. I think Guardiola had lost a bit of faith in him right. over Christmas. I think he was quite lonely and yeah, because his friends had gone back to Brazil and he wasn't seeing his mom, that much. Yeah. yeah. How old is he? Yeah, I think 22, he's 23. 23. He's yeah. got. He's going to be phenomenal, isn't he, basically? You'd yeah. think so. Once he irons it so. all out and matures a little bit, and Aguero's going to have to, you know... He, he turned 22 in April. Right. Yeah. Same age as Rashford, then, is it? He's 22, isn't he? Uh, Rashford's 21 or 22, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Let me find out. Quick Google. Marcus Rashford is... Uh, 21 years old yeah. and his birthday is on Halloween. So That's one of the 22. And that one of the week. mad things there when all this criticism of Rashford. One, he's playing in a bad team. And the other one, he's basically a kid. And he's, yeah. having, and he's having to carry it. It is his fifth yeah. season, though. <laughs> yeah, which is even so. Jesus <laughs> is, uh, is fresher on the scene, albeit it's just what's his third season now in, in the Premier League for Manchester City. Yeah, third full one. Yeah. And yeah, he, well, it would... to be fair, people are, you would, this is a big season for Jesus, basically. People are expecting more of him from that. Is he the heir to Aguero? Is well, that, yeah, is that his well, role? he's going to have to be. We were talking, we were <laughs> Where else are you going to get one from? We were talking about this yesterday. It'll be interesting when Aguero does go, like Aguero's contract's up in Which would be like basically the end of next season, wouldn't it? Yeah. Do they go out and spend 150 million pounds on a new striker, or do they then phase Jesus to become their go-to, their number one? Does that not depend on who the manager is at the end of next season? Silver's going as well. You uh, got to replace. To He's ends this end of this season. Silver's yeah. going. Yeah, yeah. Pep reckons Foden's going to do that. So. Yeah, well, that's that, we'll, that's, we'll that's that. the <laughs> aim, isn't it, for for Phil Foden to come up and sort of replace David Silver, so to speak, who scored in the 41st minute, Jesus in the 39th minute. People will look at the score coming through on their phone. They would look at it and see that it reads 2-0 to Manchester City. But by all accounts, from what I've heard, Wayne Hennessy had an absolute stormer between the sticks for Palace and it could have been uh, a lot more than 2 Yeah, it could have been, yeah. yeah. They made a lot of saves, they particularly missed, at 0-0. They, they missed loads and loads of chances as well, City. Uh, Pep, Pep said afterwards, um, like he was asked an innocuous question about Jesus and ended up saying, oh, we're not scoring enough chances and therefore we won't, we won't be able to challenge for the Champions League. We're not ready. Mm. Which was like... A, Mad thing to say. Dead early in the season to say that. Yeah, really early. It was a bit. It was a bit strange. <clears throat> but there would. I thought it was a bit of an odd performance on Saturday. Actually, I tweet. I tweeted uh, two minutes before the opening goal. Said, "Oh, they kind of they look a little bit sluggish." And like the the attackers were kind of waiting for balls to come to them. They weren't for twenty minutes. It. They were good. Then for fifteen, it was like, "What's going on here?" A bit. And, and then, then, I, then they scored twice. I tweeted, and then they were two 0 up within five minutes. So it shows what I know. I remember, I remember seeing a break down the right with um, Zaha. The, Palace weren't just stood still. They were bringing it to you a bit, weren't they? No, not really. Oh, okay. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> last, well, the last the, fifteen the, minutes when Benteke came on. Yeah. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. But like in the first half, the, the other thing about the defense being comfortable was. Palace were happy enough to well, defend. Crystal Palace, it's fair to say, have been so far the surprise package in the Premier League in terms of where they are on the table. Their sixth position 
after that result yesterday, losing 2-0 to Manchester City on 14 points. Can you see why they're in no. the top six from what you saw yesterday? I don't, is, know how is, they got, I don't know how they got these points. How many points is it? That's 12. 14 points. 14. Arsenal are on 15. Yeah. And then there's the loads, top, of, there's the loads of teams. Four. I don't know how they've got these points. Everton are United. Where have Everton got these points from? Everyone talks about them being crap. Possibly with And United like, are crap as well, but... Like, well, is it, this just a weird table? No, because the if, top two makes sense. Because of what's happening with Spurs as well, these like teams you just wouldn't expect are just slipping. Like United is slipping, and I hopefully, I'm hoping that it, this is changing now. But I think it's more to do with that. Yeah, the big teams just aren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Haven't started. A lot and you can be inconsistent and still be up there because Spurs aren't winning every week. Yeah. And United aren't winning every week, and Chelsea kind of are yeah. now, but yeah. they weren't, so they're catching up. But to be to be fair, going back to the question about Palace, no, but you know, playing City is completely different. Playing in, and playing Liverpool, the same is completely different to playing any other team. But I, I could never see how Palace were up there anyway. I mean, obviously they beat United. They were tipped by a lot of people on this podcast to go down at the start of the season. The good thing about Palace is that they they don't actually create anything, though, do they? They like, aren't they bottom of all the XG stuff? Are they? I don't know. I think so. But they know. Mm, but sure. the good thing about them is they know so exactly what they know exactly what they're doing. Like it's quite unashamed. They mm. play four five one to get try and get people in and around Jordan AU. No thrills. No, no. and they'll, the, then that's why they'll pick up enough results. I'm I mean, the United I, game I, when they when they beat United, yeah. it was like right, we're going to wait for you to make a mistake, and then we'll hit you on the break. Yeah, very last much. minute goal Twice. as well, and and you know, and there was a penalty missed in that game by Manchester United as well. Let's not forget. Um, I suppose the two questions. I have on Crystal Palace and I've been quite harsh on Crystal Palace and I must say I, I do apologise to all the Palace fans because you are sixth in the table and it's just that, you know, that's where you are. That's fair play to you in the top six at this moment in time. First question is, can you see them staying in the top ten? Um, and second mm. question is, like you said, no. Sam, how are they winning games? Because no, they, go- their goal scorers are non-existent. Benteke yeah. has scored two goals in 57 uh, Crystal Palace games. Yeah. It's just Van Arnold, Van okay. Arnold, and, and the and odd Mini Vojvic. Connor, Connor Wickham didn't play a game for two years, mm. and they signed him to a new contract. That's their two strikers, and they've got Alexander Serloff, who's out on loan somewhere, yeah. who's, who's scored a few goals out on loan. But they've got they've got two strikers, Crystal Palace, um, and they're currently sixth. So I mean, I guess uh, in a double edged question, can you see them staying in that position, no, top ten, well, top six, unless? Top Unless they start scoring some more goals through the middle. This is it. It'll even out eventually. Yeah, toward, probably towards the end of November. And I, I thought they'd get loads of goals through Milivojevic, but VAR isn't giving penalties. So. I, I mean, Benteke got a new one-year contract last week as well as... Uh, I didn't realise Wickham had signed a new contract. They're obviously just I'm trying stunned. to get... Well, they're obviously just trying to get resale value in them, aren't they? And they're going to flog them next summer. Their next three fixtures, <laughs> Arsenal away, Leicester at home and Chelsea away. And then after that, God. Liverpool. So the next Jesus. five fixtures, <laughs> Arsenal, Leicester, Chelsea, Liverpool, Crystal Palace, and that takes them into December. So it's, it's going to get tough for Crystal Palace. Mm. Can you see them winning or drawing any of them? Yeah. Yeah, there, there'll be some mad result when they're, like yeah. maybe even Chelsea, because Chelsea, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, okay. you know, squeak past Newcastle and that kind of thing. That, that, that is the beauty of them. You know, they have, they have got these points. I mean, I don't know where they've come from, but they have got them. And I, I they'll, probably pick, they'll probably pick some others up. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they've got decent players, but, you know, they, they're an ordinary team. They're an ordinary team. It, it, I mean, there is an element of give it to Zahar. Yeah. And yesterday, like, Sterling just did him. You know, when we were talking about, you know, there was a bit of a sense that it could be chaotic for City and you know, like a real like chaos performance. They could lose, you know, and the centre-back could look bad. There was one time where Rodri was going to intercept a pass and just fell over. 
and Zaha got in behind on the break and it was like, oh God, it, it's happening. <laughs> and Sterling just ran back and slide tackled him in the box. Yeah. And it was such a good tackle. The fans didn't even go, ah, oh, penalty. They just went, oh, what a tackle. And that was it. And then Zaha just didn't do anything. It was a, an amazing interception, wasn't it? Yeah. It just closed him right down. Yeah, yeah it amazing. Was great. Sterling was like, oh, there's danger on here. Mm. Just got back and saw it out. Mm. Final score at Selhurst Park. Then it finished Crystal Palace nil, Manchester City. Two, two goals in two minutes from Jesus and David Silva securing the points for Manchester City. And with Liverpool drawing away at Manchester United, that means the gap at the Premier League table has been cut to six points. Going to take a quick break now here on Football Social Daily, but do stay tuned because afterwards we're going to be talking about Everton against West Ham, Spurs against Watford and all of the rest of this weekend's fixtures. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily, Premier League Review. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is your Premier League review show here from the Sports Social. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. I'm Niall. Alongside me in the studio, we've got Steve, we've got Sam and we've got Jack. And we're going to talk now about Everton versus West Ham. Uh, I was actually at this game at Goodison Park. Um... My cousin was also there, who's been watching Everton for 15, 16 years. Who's, he lives in Melbourne. Is it and some he, punishment or something? It's not punishment. <laughs> I was, I was he lives in, in Melbourne. He lives, in, Everton he lives in Melbourne and service. he's an Everton fan. And he's just done a tour of Europe. And uh, he rounded off his tour of Europe with a trip to Goodison Park to watch his beloved Everton. Might be, the last, might be the last time he gets to go there. Of course, they've got a new stadium in the offing, um, Everton. And he was bricking it about watching Everton lose because he thought West Ham were going to turn up to Goodison Park and turn Everton over. What I would say, Everton fans can be really happy with how they played because they played West Ham uh, out of sight. They were they were by far the better team than West Ham. West Ham didn't have a sniff. They had one free kick, I think, early doors, which just went wide. The rest of the game, Everton bossed it. Um, brave from Silva to leave out Gilfie Sigurdsson, who hasn't been performing very well at all in recent weeks. He made the call. Uh, and he brought in uh, Walcott and Awobi played through the middle and that seemed a bit of a masterstroke from Silva. We spoke about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer buying himself a bit of time in that victory. I think you could argue the same with Marco Silva there, Steve. The fact he's got a 2-0 win over a West Ham side who many people have fancied to finish in the top 10, maybe even the top six this year. Um, but he's, he's no, Didn't we say this the, other way? the weekend of the Liverpool-Chelsea game? We did a podcast and you were like... Oh, West Ham contenders for the top six. It's absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sam, it's my job to ask the questions, no. mate. Yeah, you've got the devil's advocate here or something. No, but they're just, just absolutely not. Anyway. Cr- cr- <laughs> they're, cr- they're accumulator killers, aren't they, West Ham? They've had yeah. a weird start to the season. They've Boom. got some good players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yesterday they looked like, some of them looked like they never even met each other. Pellegrini, that. that you do that's, get that with Pellegrini. Um, but, but as I was saying before, Marco Silva, bit of that extra time before Sam completely shot me down in flames there. He bought himself a bit of extra time. You'd think so with that result. Yeah, definitely. He. Um, I, I was watching a bit of that game on the old uh, match of the day, and some cracking, some cracking shots. I would you say from it. Everton, and then that second Spiffing goal. Shots, sir. Sp- splendid. Yeah. Yeah. And second shot. Second goal was rather good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, one of them smacked smacked into the bar. Walcott and a volley that hit the crossbar. Yeah, correct. So yeah, Silvers. If he's bought him, was he under a lot of pressure though? Well, this is the thing. I didn't from the outside, I didn't was. from the outside, and certainly some of the supporters wanted Silver probably gone. I think the feeling amongst the higher powers at Goodison Park is that Marcel Brands, uh, Ken Wright, Mashiri, they all really like Marco Silver, and they believe in what he's trying to get out of those Everton players and they believe in what he can bring. The problem is, Jack, for me, he's just too inconsistent. He has these fluctuating spells where Everton will be brilliant for six months and it'll be awful for six months. They'll, you know, they'll win sort of six out of ten games and only drop a few points here or there, but then they'll go on a, a ten-game 
run without a win or something like that. Yeah. They're just so inconsistent. Yeah, they, and they have a little bit of a problem at home because they set Everton set the tempo at home or set the mood. If they start playing badly, if they start games badly, then the fans get on them straight away. Sure. Like within the first five ten minutes, there's like grumblings about missed passes and whatever. But on the flip side, if they start playing well, then there's probably no better set of fans to play in front of than Everton supporters because they really like get behind them. And and it's one of the older grounds in the league where the, the the fans can get quite on top of you in terms of them being close to the pitch. It's not like your modern stadium. It's a bit of the old school about Everton. Still. Yeah, it's oh, it's a, it's an amazing place to go yes. when Everton are playing well. It's really it's a great place to go. But I think I think he was under pressure. It, Big time, yeah. But it, it really kicked off in a dressing room after they lost at Burnley before the international break. Duncan Ferguson throwing things and um, not a man you want to get angry. No, it it yeah, it got it got quite heated, I think. Um, and Brands Brands like marched over from the director's box at Turf Moor and went to the dressing room and just stood there and like stared them all out. He's a governor at Everton, isn't yeah. Marcel Brands? I mean, you wouldn't want to mess with him, would you? No. And he just like wow. And he just stood Usual there. behaviour, yeah. He just stood there staring at them all. And not, apparently, You're trying to give him the shining. Well, it's funny. Think, it's not often, some ice cream? Yeah, director Does anyone of want the ice cream? <laughs> director of football, an absolute henchman. Um, <laughs> massive, massive guy. Maybe more directors of football need to be built like uh, stacked. <laughs> I, I will say that quite a contradictory comment. If So you, they must know the fans then. If, if the game starts weird, then Everton are going to be weird. But really, if you're going to be great fans, you need... To help your team, don't get on the back after five minutes. It's just a frustration from Everton fans, I think, Steve, because they've all of a sudden gone from, you know, finishing consistently under David Moyes in in the top six mm. with uh, sort of this overachievement attitude to now they've spent a hell of a lot of money under Mashiri's regime, so to speak, and now the expectations have just gone through the roof. I don't think they know what they're supposed to be. I think there's a bit of confusion among the supporters and maybe maybe confusion with people at the club as well. They don't know whether they should be kind of in that top six or whether they should be happy with top eight. No one's really... I, I get a feeling whether they are a little bit unsure of where they're supposed to like sit in the Premier League. Yeah, well, they've always been like they've always had the underdog mentality, haven't they? Which is why they were kind of so good under Moyes and why Moyes was so well suited to them. Because they could do that and, you know, they... They wouldn't necessarily play with the ball either, and they would. It would turn into a bit of a bear pit, like you said. When the the fans are on their side, it's a really daunting experience for away teams to go, and that's why you know teams in a title race. If you've got Everton away towards the end of the season, you'd be like, oh god, yeah, because it could be really difficult. But then, yeah, with but with a manager in recent years like Martinez and Kuman and Marco Silva, they're trying to play. A, bit more football but they haven't really got the belief to go with it I don't think I don't think mm. it's necessarily a style of play that the fans are comfortable with it's, it's just the lack of consistency it's just a bit, like you say yeah. it's just not people, they're not quite sure what they are in, a, in any in any kind of sense but like they lost it just a gate and it, and it turns out he was, massive ama- he was amazing yeah on, on the quiet yeah massive, but when massive when, bloke, when Moyes was there they would have had Fellaini and Lukaku and it, they those two you think about the style of both of their plays so Lukaku at the time was a big was he there then was that later He's there, that Moyes, wasn't he? No, it was Martinez, I think. It yeah. might have been a bit later with Lukaku, but but Fellaini definitely with the long balls up to him, and he would sort of chest it down and bring. Well, Moyes was there so long. Two, two big bullying players, basically. Yeah. Well, Fellaini played as a striker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's Quite got a, a lot of goals Everton. for Everton against United. Yeah, yeah. He, d- he certainly did. Um, in terms of uh, Everton, how they played, Andre Gomez looked looked 
back to his best. I mean, where's that performance been from him all season? Probably. I know he's been okay injured. I know he's been injured as well, but um, but yeah, no, he's he he looked pretty good. And, and the new and, midfielder they signed, whose uh, name I can't pronounce, Kabamin. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been out as well. Yeah, he was injured. Uh, Walcott started. Iwobi was good through the middle. It just looked like he ran out out of puff after about an hour. Um, but yeah, overall they're pretty good. I tell you who the worst player on the pitch was was West Ham's goalkeeper, Roberto. He looked like a. I've watched a lot of League One, League Two football over the years, <laughs> and I don't want to slag him off too badly, but he looked like MLS tackle. Yeah. MLS sort of standard. <laughs> MLS keeper. Um, oh, God. He conceded a great goal to Sigerson, which eventually wrapped the points up to, uh, for Everton. Oh, yeah. Who hit the bar and the post. Richarlison hit the post as well from a tight angle. Bernard's goal for Everton, though, was a uh, mm. bit peculiar, really, because he got into the space, into the box, and then he checked back, and I thought, where are you going? I sat there in the stand thinking, what are you doing? That was really funny. Cause didn't the whole ground, like, groan? That yeah. is oh, so 100%. Everton. Talking about the crowd, that is so Everton. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It happened. <laughs> I, 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 I suppose I was guilty of that as well. I'm thinking, what? Are you, where are you going? What are you doing? He checked back and somehow squeezed it under... Uh, the aforementioned Roberto into the back of the West Ham net. West Ham, though, like I said before, some of them looked like they never met each other. Four Nows, I thought, was exceptionally poor. Anderson was a bit of a passenger. Mark Noble kept giving the ball away. He did have some good passages of play, but he kept giving the ball away. Um, you mentioned Pellegrini just there, both of you two. Uh, from your past PTSD. experiences uh, of watching Manchester City managed by <laughs> Manuel Pellegrini, what comparisons can you draw between the? No, it's uh, that, isn't it? The West they, they haven't got much. Of a, they haven't got much of a plan. You know, sometimes your good players come together and sometimes they don't, and get you the, get you out of it. Sometimes off their own back, and some yeah, sometimes they don't. Sometimes there's not much of a plan there. Sometimes he puts he puts people in midfield that don't work together, or yeah, that. Sometimes the players don't fancy it, or you know, Felipe Anderson can be great, but the reason he's not a world beater because he's not always great, and that's why he's at West Ham. And you know, West Ham have got a load of players like that, and they're not going to win every week. Um, and they've got a manager that embraces that, so at least you know, compared to Everton, they know what they are. But well, yeah, that's what you're going to get. The good recent example because West Ham always seem to have like a flair player they hang on to. Dimitri Payet was supposed to be the next big thing, wasn't he, when he was at West Ham? And where's like he was never seen again. Was yeah, it? well, it, obviously that move was so controversial, wasn't it? Like they hate him for that, for for go, for going back to Marseille. Marseille, yeah, he wanted then, to go back, and then yeah. he did nothing, did he? No. Like he did, really tailed off. Um, yeah, they love a maverick West Ham. Um, I think the thing is, they normally have, and like probably the last one was Arnautovic, and he's done the same thing. Well, they know? hate him as well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do they but, hate him? Yeah, yeah. Well, because well, he, he just down tools. Like he nearly went the first time and didn't get away with it, which is what happened to Payet. Signed a new contract, and then he was like, "No, I am going China now. Let me go," and he's gone. And they've said they they normally, you know, Decanio, they normally like channel that maverick ability through one player who's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. But now they kind of spread it out among like four or five who aren't that good, and. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they'll win. But who have they beaten this season? United, yeah, again, it weren't very good. Who do you say beforehand? Bournemouth, Bournemouth, Bournemouth and Watford. And, you know, Watford. Norwich. Norwich. Or what, yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was Norwich. What was it? Norwich, Watford and Man United. Which, anyway, kind of expect a combination seven of those points teams. out of those nine. nine anyway, yeah, you? like, they're, yeah, they were, I'm not saying they're a terrible team, but if we're talking top six or like, you know, they're perfectly capable of going to Everton and not being very good. And as Steve said, you know, Coupon busters, because you think, oh yeah, West Ham are doing all right at the minute. But the, what what I would say about West Ham is, is I look at their bench, and with the exception of Andre Yarmolenko, who I think is a, a half decent player. Same again, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but likewise. But I mean, uh, aside from him, looking at their bench yesterday, I just looked at it and I thought, oh, okay, nothing scares me there at all. So yeah, Balbuena, Zabaleta, Snodgrass, Wilshire, Yarmolenko, and Ajeti, and none of them. I'm thinking, 
We're going to change the game for West it's Ham. It's like that out of context turn gif, isn't it? <laughs> Old, past it, irrelevant. <laughs> out the like, way. I'm yeah. Through. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, like you said before, Sam, West Ham, their expectations would have been reasonably high. I think, I think they'll finish it. To be fair, having said that about them and that about Palace, I think West Ham are more likely to finish in the top 10 than Palace are. Um, but like ninth or something. And they'll, they'll have a spell where they might win two out of five or whatever, and then they might have a spell when they draw four and lose one or whatever. But they'll they'll just always they'll always be around, but they're never gonna they're not gonna tear up any trees, they're not gonna go on a cup run, they're not gonna Well that's cause what an that's what I said I asked decent. some West Ham fans at the start of the season, I said you need to be having a cup run. You need to be getting far in the cup competitions because they're the sort of club that, you know, if they've if they've got expectations that's what their expectations need to be focused on, getting far in a trophy. Because, I mean, they can have dreams of the top six, but realistically... But listen to this, though, as a concept. that The big teams, like, not lesser than... Under under Liverpool and City, who we everyone really considers they're going to be... One of those two is going to win the league. All the other teams need to win some sort of cup, yeah. basically. That's where we're at. Including Spurs, who you'd exactly. say would be the next exactly. exactly. The reality check of it all is anyone under the other than those two teams will win nothing unless they up the game in the Cups. That's the reality. And, and City have taken the Cup competitions far more seriously than everyone else yeah. for the last two or three years. Absolutely. Well, final score anyway at Goodison Park in the early kickoff on Saturday. Everton 2 West Ham United nil goals from Bernard and Gilfie Sigerson securing the points for Marco Silva, who, as we suggested, might be feeling slightly relieved after that win at Goodison Park. Uh, let's move on now to Spurs against Watford. Watford, the only side still yet to win a game in the Premier League, but they went 1-0 up. Decore scored the goal for Watford and uh, a VAR awarded slash not awarded slash no one knew what the fuck was going on uh, goal um, for Spurs via Deli Alley or... The hand of Deli Alley, or was it the hand of Deli Alley? No, it was the shoulder of Deli Alley. And the reason I'm saying that is because if you haven't seen it, VAR in the stadium checked that Deli Alley's goal was legitimate. It certainly was legitimate. However, the numpty in the truck at Stockley Park decided he was going to press the no goal awarded button instead of the goal awarded button. As if it wasn't confusing enough. As if it wasn't confusing enough. So the game finished 1-1. Um, is that a bad result for Spurs? Because yeah, I, said, well... I said before the international break, I said... If you're Spurs, after losing 3-0 to Brighton, the next game you want is Watford. They're bottom of the league. They've got no confidence. They've not won a game. Get back on track. Get yourself three points. At home, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, you'd expect them to go on and win that game. They didn't. 1-1. Yeah, I guess, sorry, we're going on about United a lot tonight. Or maybe I am. But like when United played Newcastle the other week, it was like, sure, I mean, we know United are bad, but surely they're not going to lose at Newcastle. Like, surely they're not going to. And they did. And it's like, right, they have got problems. Mm. And yesterday you think... Well, if Spurs just win this 3-0, then fair enough. You know, the problems are being overblown. You know, maybe they had a bad day at Brighton and, you know, the Bayern Munich thing can happen and blah, blah, blah. But the way Watford played, the way Spurs played, you think, that's what's going on at Spurs? What is, I was going to ask you, they're, what is happening change, with Spurs? They're making loads of changes. What was it, seven? He made a little, seven changes yesterday, changed the formation at half-time. Uh, Pochettino, this is. It's just all over the place, Kane, isn't it? Kane's on the pitch every week, so he's not injured, is he? No. So no, got, but it's got, just getting... I don't know, it's just... just it's just weird, like nothing's nothing's really working. And the people they bought in the summer, like Ndombele was a bit, a bit injured, but hasn't done an awful lot. Sessegnon. He's been injured. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, Lo Celso, Lo Celso, he got injured. Like, injured with Argentina yeah. since the last international break. Not the one just gone, the one before that. So the new players they've had, well, they've, no, they've, not, they've not been there. Knowing Spurs, how um, tight they are with the with the money, 
if they've actually bought players and they're injured, then there's there's an issue there straight away, isn't there? If you think about it, yeah, because because they wouldn't have even, they didn't buy they anyone last not, year, did they? they? And now it was buy oh, no, anyone unless they desperately forward. wanted them or needed them. But and I mean, if they're injured, problem, big problem straight away. Isn't Daniel there? Levy's known to uh, squeeze every last bit of juice <laughs> yeah. out of every every asset that he's got. But those, as those, well, those, that's you know the. And the, the chickens are coming into roost now, aren't they? Because all these, like, they've got good players out of contract. They're catching up with them now. They're going to leave on a free, and they're not necessarily happy. And Poch has been getting great results from players that you know he's been getting better out of them than what they really deserve. So that, and but it's gone so bad. I think it's just, and gone they're to on it. his case as well with Poch because everyone's just, saying, "Oh, he's going to come to United, come to United." They're on his case now. He's going to go somewhere. It's isn't come he? to its natural end. I think he's been there like five years, hasn't he? He's done um, so well with the resources he's had yeah. as well. I know he's had a. Uh, you know, an influx of players which have certainly performed for him. But like you said, two two transfer windows with no, no signings. He's great, Pochettino. I love him. I think he's great. Yeah, he's a good man. I think a lot of Spurs fans do. I think it's probably a real dilemma for a lot of Spurs fans as well because they're probably like, I love this guy and I don't know what we can do without him. But what's happening It's in a hard to imagine a post-Poch Spurs, yeah, isn't it, actually? Who are they going to get? Who are they going to get? Eddie Howe or someone from abroad, I think, weren't it? So, yeah. Yeah. The other thing is with Spurs, you just feel like they're never going to win anything. You know what I mean, and that must be hard as fans, knowing that your your boss doesn't buy, doesn't spend any money, and you're never going to win anything. Well, they're getting so they've got a great new stadium, they? mate. They're now in yeah. the conversation, though, aren't they? And this is and this is the problem with the new stadium. The Champions League, oh, Spurs in the Champions League final is mad. Like, and, yeah. and I'm not even taking the mic. You know, Spurs fans are saying that as well. Like, they would not have expected that. Yeah, and that's why Pochettino's great. But, and that's the frustrating thing because you're thinking. Well, we've got the new stadium now, we're buying players now, we've got to the Champions League final, we can really build on it. It's gone the complete opposite way. But mm. when the, if you go across to Arsenal, mm-hmm. when the Emirates was built in 2006, or when the Emirates opened in 2006, every Arsenal fan knew that the, go- the goal was to finish in the top four every season. Mm. And they did that. Wenger did that consistently. They didn't win a trophy again until the FA Cup in 2014, I think it was, or 2013. So they, they, they went a, a, a long, barren spell when their stadium opened, without winning anything, just finishing in the top four. Yeah. Um, Spurs' barren spell has obviously been a, a lot longer than that, but I, I, I guess you could kind of draw comparisons between the two rivals there in that sense, but that's just a, an observation from the outside. What you will say as well about this game, Deli Ali scored in the 86th minute, and that came from a Ben Foster mistake. So yeah, I mean, and Watford, how bad had, is it Watford had other good chances as well, didn't they? To, they uh, talking about VAR, should have had a penalty as well in the first half. And that's why we were talking about the... The the build up to the United goal earlier, they were never going to overturn the United one if they if they weren't overturning that decision not to give De La Feo a penalty yesterday. And then Watford had another good chance in the second half. And so yeah, like like I say, it's one of those performances you think, well, surely Spurs will be right with this one. But there is something going on. But I think everyone's kind of scrabbling around on the outside mm. trying to work out what's going on. And it, it does seem like you know the pe- people are a bit like, like not, Jack says it's, it's amazing how a lot of the players are like, well, I think we've had enough of this. They're just not pulling in. Pulling in the same direction anymore? No, I don't think. Well, not are they? Too I many, know, too many really. players want to leave. Yeah, like, like obviously the ones you nearly went in the summer, like Ericsson, for example. But well, like Danny Rose has wanted to go for ages. Yeah, but who, 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 who apart won- from Carl Walker has gone? It's really difficult to leave Spurs because of Daniel Levy. Well, well Trippier eventually went, didn't he? True, but, actually. Um, <laughs> but Wanyama was within <laughs> within minutes of joining Club Bruges. I'm told before that move fell through, so he doesn't really want to be there. Uh, yeah, Aurier's trying his best. Actually, to, to, to be, be fair, there. when I'm at Walker, I mean, like, good players. They'd had enough of Trippier, haven't they? Well, just, he's gone to yeah. Atletico Madrid. That's not a bad move. Yeah, no, yeah. But, yeah, but if they wanted to get rid of him, it doesn't matter where he's gone. Like, I see what you mean. I see what you're saying. Um, what about Watford, then, just quickly, because uh, we are uh, ticking down towards the edge of the show now. Um, God. Are they getting, releg- <laughs> are they getting relegated? 
Can they get out of this? Yeah, I think they will. I think they will get out of it. You do? Yeah, Flores is a good tactician and he'll probably get them enough points. Deeney's not back. Yeah, they, they do have got they have goals in them. But they need that first goal. His goal they scored yesterday was great. Yeah. Was a really good goal. Fancy him to get out of it, Sam? I'm I'm reminding myself of the 20 teams in the Premier League and trying to think who's worse. Yeah, most, oh, most of them were with that. Look, look, that. Just briefly, that, Southampton's not doing anything. That VAR thing, they, they were so unlucky with that, weren't they? It, with the hooking, it was a shocker, wasn't it? Absolutely. The most embarrassing VAR decision I think I've ever seen so far. Anyway, that's all I'll say on that. Okay, well, they, could what, have, they could have won that game, basically. Mm. Well, Watford currently bottom of the Premier League, still the only team after nine games not to win a game. They've drawn four and lost five, puts them on four points. Also in the relegation zone, Norwich City and Newcastle United. Uh, and if you are a Norwich City, fan or a Bournemouth fan apologies for you getting this deep into the podcast without me telling you that we probably won't be talking much about your game <laughs> because it finished nil nil so apologies to any Canaries and Cherries supporters there uh, let's cover off the last few games uh, from yesterday uh, and of course uh, as well across the weekend we saw Leicester win 2-1 against Burnley uh, another win for Leicester maintaining themselves in the top four currently in third position and you know what's the scary thing about that I still feel that they can get a bit better you know Steve Leicester. Leicester, Leicester, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, 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 they seem to be coming back with strength again. They've got a lot of character, um, that club and that team. Yeah. And think about and a good manager, really in, good manager. Um, team maybe, maybe he might go Spurs. Could do. You really think he'd abandon Leicester that soon, though? Well, depending mm. on when Poch leaves, I guess you can't really. Yeah. God, but, but the thing is, as well, they're they're a, if he's at a team that are spending money and on the up. Why would you go from there to a team that's not spending any money and, I, I and, and treading are, water? I don't think nah, Spurs are exactly Spurs. big payers either. I think, yeah. I think they're quite uh, tight in the pocket. Le- I mean, Leicester's the biggest job. That is the golden goose, isn't it, for a lot of managers. At this moment, it's like, like Whether they're going to get it or not, but people like Sean Dyche or whatever, they're yeah. like everyone yeah. at that level, yeah. Eddie Howe, they're like, Leicester's where they want to be. The mid-tier. Where, you, if where United is a curse. If you get an opportunity to go to Spurs, they'll go Spurs. United is a curse, whereas Leicester is... A blessing. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Leicester's like a good, you know, good ground, good owners, you know, bit of money to spend, yeah. but back in, you know, it, it's a good, it's a good side there. Um, Everton's similar, but you know, it's just basically Leicester's just a bit more modern with the stadium. It is, or is Leicester it's now, it. like you're saying about the underdog story of Everton? Is Leicester now what that Everton team? Well, they've they've was grappled, in terms they've of grappled with their mentality a bit, haven't they? And that's why. Um, well, winning the Premier League was obviously an yeah, but, to... but since since then, but they won it with the counter attacking style, didn't they? And that was very much underdog, wasn't oh, 100%. it? Hundred um, percent. And then, but then you know, getting um, Claude Puel in, they were they were grappling with that kind of style well, they weren't change. Happy about his football and stuff like yeah. that. So, well, but now they were Southampton, were they? Yeah, no, they yeah, exactly. But acting for the same reasons. But you kind of need those. They're kind of like make water managers, you know, like Pellegrini at City, because you can't really. Well, I mean, I'm sure they would have done it, but. It's easier to go from Mancini to Guardiola if you put Pellegrini in the middle. And like Puel, it's kind of it makes sense to go from like Ranieri to Puel. I know they had Shakespeare in the A middle. transition manager. It's, yeah, exactly. To kind of just go, well, this is the kind of thing we want to play. And then the players at least have some idea of they want like, the expectation. And then you get a better manager in to actually do it. I mean, I'm sure that's not the actual plan. It's just how it works. But it seems to be like a decent evolution. Tielemans scored. He's a good player, Jack, isn't he, Tielemans? Yeah, really, really good player. I took him out of my fantasy. <laughs> Everyone has one now. United if you look at the percentage own, no one's going to have him anymore. I, but he is good, isn't he? I had Madison in my team, so uh, I, I was happy with a Leicester result. Um, Burnley. Uh, a lot of good players. But, Not Burnley. What do we Leicester. think? Of, yeah, they do have a lot of good players. Burnley are in eighth. Um, Again. Just doing what Burnley do. Where are these points coming from? Just doing what Burnley no, do. No, yeah, they're coming from Warden Barnes, aren't they? Yeah, but they're coming from having um, decent wingers. Dwight McNeil's yeah. been yeah. a good player for them. They've got, really, they've got players that are able to put the, 
put the ball on, in the box and put it on Barnes's head or Wood's head. It's like it's simplistic. It's so simplistic. Westwood's playing simple. well as well. West yeah, yeah. playing well. Court's good player. Yeah, and they've not they've been without Goodmanson for a while, and he's injured. He's, yeah. he's great from mm. set plays. I mean, McNeil is really really consistent for his age, um, and has genuine quality. I mean, his ball in was great. The goal, yeah, a great header as well. Yeah, uh, could we yeah. possibly see Dwight McNeil in an England shirt at some point in the near future? Not in the near future, no. Too many good um, wingers. I think Better so. Than yeah, him. yeah. Um, I was I did the under twenty ones during the international break. It's only a couple of caps for the under twenty ones, isn't he? So yeah, so he made his debut he, in Slovenia on the Friday night, um, and he played he played at left wing back actually, but um, he's in the same team as Hudson Adoy. Yeah, he was in it, <laughs> and like they're completely different. Which the other tragedy is though, as soon as like Wampasaka came to United, then he gets picked for England. It's there's there's a lot of that going on. Fashionable clubs, Steve. Fashionable clubs. So he doesn't stand a chance for that reason, really. Mm. Okay, well, you mentioned Hudson Odoi there, which is a lovely little segue because I've also got him in my fantasy team. (laughs) Uh, I was delighted to see that he got an assist for Marcus Alonso to uh, to drill under the goalkeeper to give Chelsea a one nil victory against Newcastle United at Stamford Bridge. You mentioned it earlier, Sam. Chelsea are starting to pick up the wins even when they're now, not really playing that well. I mean, by all accounts, I think they were right yesterday. I don't think they really set the world alight. I really like Callum Hudson-Odoi. I think he's got a hell of a future in the game. God, yeah, yeah. He's really good. Um, Obviously, when he got that injury, it was just it's one of those where it's just a shame. You know, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but you see a sort of player like that get injured just as they're on the cusp of coming through and you think, yeah. that's just a shame not to, not to see him get a chance. You know he's going to come eventually, but it, it's exciting now that he's back in the team. That'll give them... Another attacking option, um, you know, Abraham is still kind of... They're all finding their feet, aren't they? They're, all, they're, they're yeah. fundamentally a young team. The spine of that team, still got the main guys too, yeah. the main guys in that team are young. And yeah. Jorginho who kind of sets it all going. Which means this, this is a project that is actually working. And it's, look, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's interesting. It's fun, to, it's fun to watch, isn't it? Like, it it's, it's, there's, a bit of a, there's a bit of a nice buzz about Chelsea, and it's not all just PR. Like, because a lot of it's PR and a lot of it's Lampard and a lot of it's, oh, they've got young, good English players. But, though, you know, that, you know, that, that is that a is, thing. That and is, they that are. That is fact, though. They is, do yeah. have good young English. Yeah, you know, exactly. But, like, it's, it's easier to overlook their problems that they had earlier in the season sure. because of that. Like, if, if it was I, I, like if it was Sarri, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get that. I still worry about their But it's going well. Chelsea. It's going well. Yeah. I, I think that they. Zuma's not been great. Aspilicueta's not having a good season by, by all accounts, by his high standards. Um, what about Newcastle United, though? Because. Well, they're bad, aren't they? They're they're not, not didn't have a shot on target, did they? I don't think. <laughs> well, like, like United, I can't say before. I know that's that, but um, <laughs> they're they're in deep trouble, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Again, like, well, like I said, looking at like, recalling the list of teams who might finish below Watford, probably Newcastle. If they, if Newcastle, five shots, none on target. Unless yeah. the thing is, even if they were to change manager, talking about a club with a mentality. The fans haven't got it. The fans are like, we should be playing better football, but if, the club is just moribund. I know. I know they're away Top, at a Chelsea. Lot of toxicity as well. there as well, isn't there? Yeah, I know they're away at Chelsea. Twenty-eight point nine percent of the ball. Chelsea had seventy-one percent possession, wow. um, which you might have expected of a Chelsea side years gone by, but probably not this one um, yeah. that we're seeing at the moment. Which, which is a, another sort of damning stat. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why. Again, maybe that's why it took them so long to get the breakthrough because they're a bit more of a transition side, aren't they, Chelsea? They're a bit happier when they can, you know, they've got a bit of space to play into. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the space between the players and they can make a more of an incisive pass over a distance, you know, Jorginho or Mount or whoever. Um, but yeah, a bit, a bit like the United thing of 
if they've got a lot of the ball and the team are defending, they're not quite there yet at unpicking a team, but obviously they got there in the end. And Newcastle going down, Steve? Well, look, at I'm assuming they've turned up to Stamford Bridge and if they've got 20-odd percent possession, then they've turned up with a mentality that we're going to lose this unless we absolutely park the bus. Is that what happened? Did they just? I didn't watch the game, but I'm assuming a one nil. Well, they 70- did it at Spurs, didn't they? So they're probably like, well, mm. well, they did it at St James's against United, and they ended yeah. up nicking the game. Well, this is what I was going to say. If they if they do stay up, it'll be down to kind of individuals, like big moments, like with Longstaff against yeah. United. I think when mm. Andy Carroll's fully fit again, I think he'd be massive. For He's them. not going to be though, is he? Uh, no, no, well, he never is. <laughs> he ever, ever again, yeah. ever again since uh, six. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Newcastle United going down one nil away to Chelsea. At Stamford Bridge, that puts them in the relegation zone on eight in 18th with eight points. Chelsea, meanwhile, uh, move up to fourth place on 17 points. Uh, let's talk about Aston Villa, who got a 2-1 win over Brighton. You were chuckling away at the start of the show, Steve, about uh, Aston Villa's goal, which Grealish, Grealish scored, bundled, bundling it in. Of course, Adam Webster gave uh, Brighton the lead with his first Brighton goal with a decent header, it must be said. But the the cross into the box, which seemed to escape so, everyone. <laughs> so to paint a picture if you're not seeing it, I don't know who crosses it in. Grealish is in the box. He's got seven or nine Brighton Hove players <laughs> around him. And somehow, and, and this is this is almost crossed diagonally, basically, just barely off diagonal cross along the floor. And it makes it from right over in the wing to right in the middle of the box, past all these players. And he, I don't know what part of the body it just bundles it, it, <laughs> bundles it in. Yeah, yeah proper scrappy finish. <laughs> it, was right it was Gilbert. But he with still the assist, managed the to get there before him. So they must have a shocking level of discipline with their defence. Absolutely shocking. Well, it was embarrassing. Brighton's defence is interesting because they play a, th- a three at the back under Potter. They've got Dunk. Uh, in the middle of those three, or at least he, well, I'm not sure if he plays in the middle actually, but he's certainly the smallest of the three of them, which tells you something about the size of Webster and Dan Burns, who absolute huge, giants flanking. Uh, did, when they played City, they lost. They played quite well and lost six nil, didn't they? Or something four, four, four nil. nil. They were good. Dan, yeah. Dan Burns played left wing back. It was a mate. I just. Six I, for eight, Gazelle. I just watched yeah. him for ninety minutes. It was fascinating. Yeah. Adam, <laughs> Adam, Web, Adam Webster loves runs from. He loves a mazy run, meandering run from centre back. He's another one who loves to bring the ball out from the back. Uh, Aaron Moy got sent off after just thirty-five minutes with two yellow cards. Um, certainly, you think that would be a blow for Brighton moving forward. Uh, still not quite hitting the heights that that many people were expecting under Graham Potter. I think they'll be okay this season, Brighton personally. I think they play a reasonable style of football. But yeah, like you say, Sam, it might be close. Um, What about Villa then? That's a really healthy win for them, one they needed. And they scored two goals at really good times as well, just before half-time, just before full-time. I was looking at the stats yesterday to write about De Bruyne for my article on the City game. And he's obviously, in terms of chances created from open play, De Bruyne's got the most in the Premier League this season. But Jack Grealish is second. Got, I think De Bruyne's got 25 and Grealish has got 23. Yeah. Chances created from open play. And obviously, by second, I don't have to tell you all, but that's above like all the other City players, all the Liverpool players, yeah, Spurs players, Leicester players, whoever. So that's really interesting. That Scored and he, assisted he's kind yesterday. Of, he's doing, yeah, exactly. He's doing it in the Premier League, talking about Spurs and you know not parting with money in the past. They wanted him, but they weren't going to stump mm-hmm. up a couple of years ago. Um, they've got, the thing is, you can see if they do stay up, someone probably will buy Grealish and someone probably will buy him again. Yeah. Um, but those two are kind of doing it consistently, and then you've got other players like Wesley, who you know they might chip in occasionally, and they're not they're not going to win every week. If they stay up, they're not going to win every week, but they will get the odd win where it comes together 
and it's probably going to be McGinn and Grealish. Mm. And then if someone else chips in here and there, Douglas Louise has scored a couple of banging goals. Yeah, he's on, my, it's, he's it's, on my fantasy bench. Like you know? Jack said about if Newcastle do it, it's going to be moments. I think that's definitely going to be the case with Villa. I think they're more they're better than Newcastle. Well, they're more solid. They probably won't win. Well, they're not, I don't think they'll win many games, but when they do... It's they look quite good. Yeah, like I said, for some weeks it just won't work. Brighton mm. had Moy sent off after thirty-five minutes and held out till right at the end, and they were undone by Grealish's last-minute winner. Mm. Uh, sorry, by yeah, uh, by Target's last-minute winner, I should say. So they held out for the whole, pretty much the whole of the game with ten men hanging in there at, at one-one second half, the whole second half, and they've ended up conceding late on. So that would be a real hammer blow. It's a great ball by Brian. A great ball by Grealish. Yeah, yeah, it was. But the, I mean, the important thing that Dean Smith's done at Villa is that he's built, he's just built the team around Grealish, and they just let him do whatever he wants. Yeah, just like from just left of centre, he just kind of floats about and does whatever because he knows McGinn and Hurahan are like mop up, for mop him. up yeah. behind him. Mm. So he's mm. kind of given that freedom, which I don't know. I, but that's the thing that like West Ham don't do, for example. Well, I don't know whether he'd be able to, he'd be able to have that freedom at another club. So maybe yeah. maybe they're a perfect fit. I don't know. The other uh, thing as well, well, Spurs were keen, weren't they, for a with, while with um, with Brighton? Um, the uh, red work, card, the first yellow of those two yellows was really yeah, innocuous. Stupid, he yeah. was just about to take a free kick, and it was so close to him. He just he just got in the way of it, didn't he? Basically, instant yellow. And but the second tackle, it was even, it was stupid. It was, even stupid. was a definite yellow though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. And that's that's it. He he must be pretty public enemy number one, really, mm. because that's costing that. Yeah. Really. yeah, Brighton just now a point above the relegation zone. They're on nine points in sixteenth spot, uh, and underneath them, Southampton on eight points. They got a one-one draw with Wolves, which is the final game we'll be covering off again. Apologies to Norwich uh, and Bournemouth supporters. Uh, I'm sure. we'll be in-depth featuring you guys next week in your games. When um, they beat United. When they beat Manchester United, <laughs> Norwich. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Uh, Ake got eight points in fantasy football, so I'm absolutely delighted with that. <laughs> Dead happy with that. Can't argue uh, with a nil-nil draw there. Uh, as for Southampton, uh, they took the lead through Danny Ings, who scored, I think, four games in a row now. Wolves managed to, to get a goal back in the end. Um, this game was a bit, of a bit of a weird one for me because you look at it and you think Wolves are going to win this game. But actually, in the form that both teams are, are, have been in, a draw was probably what we should have expected, really. You kind of look at it, like yeah, Southamp- Southampton are the sort of team that they, you kind of gloss over the results. It, it looks like they draw 1-1 away from home every week. Very much so. I definitely gloss over <laughs> so, Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I to, I, they'll, probably, like, they'll probably do enough, won't they, to stay up? I don't know. I think I, they've been playing with fire for a few years Two now. Years they're now they're now not doing they've... enough, are they? Two years now and this Hasenhurtle revolution. I mean, is it really happening? happening? Is, it? is it really happening? Is it a myth? He'll be remembered for the gif. Which one? When he celebrated. Can't be that memorable, Jack. I've no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> when, he, when he celebrated celebrated that goal. Is the one where he looked clock? Oh, no. And then he, and then he realises, realises it's got disallowed and he does that stupid thing with his hand. Not saying it. You won't, yeah, be, you won't be remembered for I'm that. Googling right now, Hasenhurtle GIF. That's what I'm doing. I see that, like, I see that like once a day on Twitter. I, oh, it's, actually, it's actually the first thing you type, Hasenhurtle, comes up, Hasenhurtle GIF. Not right. Hasenhurtle transfer news, not Hasenhurtle interview, Hasenhurtle GIF. We're not going any further until I've seen this, so stand this by. I'm, I'm about to watch it. So Jack's here delivering <laughs> it. Uh, while I am trying to find this GIF. Um, yeah, but they're not, they don't do anything, do they? They and like, But they're in this situation where they're like, this is the guy... You know, after Mark Hughes and people like that, you think <laughs> actually this is this is someone who's going to take us and we're going to play good football and look quite good. But you're right, the, the revolution hasn't happened yet. 
Yeah, I've just and, seen. I'm not seen... sure. Just not sure what they're, what they're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what Hasenhut was doing in this gif either. No, it's so great, isn't it? It's really good. good. Yeah, yeah, it's enjoyable. I like, any any delight, I take a lot of that in, delight in seeing them uh, have a goal disallowed. Actually, <laughs> so I'm quite enjoying looking at this. Um, as for Wolves battling the Europa League and the Premier League schedule has been what's Nuno Espirito Santos found difficult. Um, in terms of getting his players to perform on a regular basis with so many games. Um, they are just about starting to turn a corner now in terms of their league form, do you think, Steve? Or... Yeah, I mean, they got a good result against United, didn't they? Wolves. They beat yeah. City before the international Yeah, well. so they've, they've had a very interesting start to the season and they sort of pulled themselves up and raised their head above the precipice and everyone sort of looks at Wolves now thinking, OK, are we, are we looking at a team here now that could fin- finish somewhere between... Eighth and sixth, rather than someone you just expect to see knocking around mid-table every season for the you know the duration of the universe kind of thing because they they do they do seem to be coming out and they're also a bogey team for us United bogey team definitely Wolves they're good on the break aren't they Yeah well they scored two breakaway goals against Manchester City didn't they Adama Traore he's got bags of pace and and potential of course what about you Jack what do you reckon in terms of the Europa League schedule it's obviously it's clearly had an impact on on Wolves and how they're playing but if they if they but if they want to be this team that everyone talks about them that they could be you know this Mm. regular Europa League team then they need to get over the habit of using oh we're in Europe as an excuse for poor league form because every other team seems to manage it oh, no, you, you know, know you'll probably refer to Burnley like last season Burnley well, saying, even, even but, Arsenal, Burnley, Burnley, Burnley threw it in last but year. I guess the point that I'm trying to make is it's difficult it's difficult to do and teams if they want to be that team they need to get used to having to perform in both they because that, bit, that's what their aim is but then you need a bigger squad they need a bigger squad but then, you need, but then they've got the similar problem that the Spurs have had over the years because Jack knows better because he followed him on pre-season a couple of years ago but for Spurs, you can't buy someone who's better than Harry Kane. You just can't. Yeah. You can't buy someone who's better than Deli Ali. You can't buy someone who's better than Eriksson. So who do you get? And it's the same for Wolves. Like they could, they could go and buy because they're you know these like Raul Jimenez is good. He's not Kane. They could go and buy more, but like kind of what they've done for Wolves, they're they're the best players, and you can't really, you can't you can't really kind of start squeezing them out. Show a bit of loyalty to them, and then you end up buying like Catroni from Milan for like twenty million, but. Do you think they've hit a ceiling? They're though? just kind of they're filling out the squad. It's it's all it's all filling no killer really. The and that's the problem. They've been linked with Frank Kessie from Milan as well. Um, yeah. So uh, can know. I can I say this though? The, the the trouble is with the Europa League and squad squad depth. You think oh they're playing in Europe, but look at it in re- realistic terms. You think playing in Europe is basically a Tuesday or a Wednesday game? No, it's a Thursday, and it's not just Europe. It's Kazakhstan, it's Belgrade. You're all over the place, and weird times of day, five o'clock. This injures players. Anything out of routine, you're up in the percentage of chances of injury. Simple as that. Mm. If you increase, like Solskjaer's done, oh, you if, you double, if you double, if you double, if you increase levels of training, you're increasing the chances of um, injury. Therefore, if you've not got squad depth. Europa League is going to be a massive issue. It really is. Well, Wolves' competitive season technically started back in July when they were playing qualifiers for the Europa League and they were going to all over the place um, to play in those were, games. And they were in China the week before that. Yeah, of course. What, for, the, for, the, for the pre-season tour. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, absolutely interesting. Um, well, I'm very interested to see how Wolves manage the situation this season. And I also feel a bit gutted for the supporters that the game against Slovan Bratislava will be played behind closed doors. Absolutely the right decision by the authorities to punish Slovan Bratislava for 
you know, the the racism that they've been found guilty of. But you just feel for the Wolves supporters who've waited ages to get back into the Premier League. They get into Europe and they have one of their away days taken away from them. Yeah, and the, I, I read the other day that there were fears that the some home fans were going to get in anyway. Um, well, it's even more of a kick in the teeth then, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there was one, there was another game, wasn't there, a few years ago? It might have been City. City that's why they CSKA. were in it. CSKA Moscow. Behind well, closed doors and there was like 500 Moscow fans in there anyway. So you wonder whether that sort of thing And the City happen. fans had gone. I think, they'd, I think they'd already booked the trip and then UEFA made the decision, you know, a couple of months after the draw had been made or whatever. Well, this, and the this, City fans had gone and turned up and they were like, no, you ain't coming in. And then Moscow fans got in anyway. Well, yeah, you, you think that there would have been a few... Um, Wolves supporters that would have booked this trip to Bratislava ages ago. Yeah, You've done that quickly, wouldn't you? When the draw yeah, exactly. is such a nice no one to do, isn't it? Minute. You know, he's going, going over there. Um, anyway, that game finished. Wolverhampton Wanderers won. Southampton won. Uh, of course, Arsenal are playing Sheffield United in the Monday night fixture tomorrow, so we won't be able to talk about that. But uh, that's the end of the show. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank Thanks. you very much, Jack. Um, go and follow Steve's Instagram if you want. Mate, to I've got right. I'm not joking. Plug it. Steve. I made a masaka this morning, and my wife's been cooking it. She's she had a time. I said I'll be back for nine. I'll be about ten minutes late. But all that'll do is set the uh, bechamel more at the top. So when I get in, it's all I've thought about while have we've been blow, talking. Have you got a blowtorch as well? Are you I've blow- got a blowtorch. <laughs> I, my grill's broken, so oh, I was blowtorching blow blowtorching cheese pissed out of my head last night after a gig. <laughs> That's yeah, on my Instagram. You, your hands are all in good nick. No plastic or anything. Like <laughs> you get their marks, don't you, from yeah. baking bread? There, you look like you've been self-harming. But uh, yeah, um, Sam. What's next for you, for you following City all around the place? A press conference in the morning to talk about oh, really? Pep not being thinking City are able to win the league, Champions League again, and then Tuesday night a Champions League game. So yeah, that's that's what's next. Go don't, to bed, wake up, don't more press conferences, more football. I can do. Like I can go one, oh, I love it. I can go one better. Go, <laughs> go on. on. Oh yeah, press conference tomorrow. Chefs United tomorrow night. Then City Jeez. Tuesday. He's a well-travelled man, is our Jack. There we go. Don't stop, does it? Loves the football. The uh, go and follow the guys on Twitter. Uh, Jack's uh, at Jack underscore Gorn. Sam, you're just at Sam Lee, aren't you? I am. Very That's simple. A very, very professional handle. At yeah. Sam Lee. Very simple. Uh, Steve. I'm at Steve Shanyaski, and um, I deleted a tweet slagging off Andreas Pereira after about 10 minutes when everyone <laughs> said he was doing really well. <laughs> this is, football, <laughs> this football is the reality of my... <laughs> This is what uh, I'm at Niall PFC on Twitter as well. So go and give us a follow as well at The Sports Social um, for all your latest uh, up to date information about the podcast that we release every single day of the week. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining me. Make you hit subscribe so you never miss another show and also if you've got an amazon alexa smart speaker ask alexa to open sports social for daily news updates in your premier league club it goes straight to your amazon alexa device so just ask alexa to open sports social you can set the team you support of all 20 premier league teams it is brand new this there's no one else in the world doing it so go over and check it out it's pretty cool if i may say so myself you also get premier league match previews and match reports for every single premier league fixture so go and do that but that's it for now and we'll speak to you tomorrow Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.